welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 180. My name is Aaron. That has not changed. Neither has changed our Dave and Fredo who are joining me again, as always, for the 180th time. Hello. Every We have an unbeaten streak. Like I think every episode we've all been in attendance for. Well, that's because that's that's the band, you know. You know, yeah. it's it's I, I have okay. Let me ask you guys this, uh, because we actually just saw an ad. It's like there's this like basically '80s stadium concert tour coming up. It's like Def Leppard, Journey, um, Heart, um, Steve Miller Band. I'm trying to remember, there's something. It's somebody else, but you know, it's like of those, it's like. Um, first of all, I got mad because they played a Journey song with Steve Perry's voice. I have an issue going to see Journey without Steve Perry. Um, I would, I don't know. Do you guys, I mean, it's like, do you, will you go see a band if it's not um, at least, I don't know. Do, does it have to have, I mean, if, if the, one of the members are, is dead, that's one thing. But it's like, you know, it's like when I first saw Sticks. They had Dennis DeYoung, uh, Tommy Shaw. They, they had everybody. It's like, but their drummer had just passed away like a week prior or two weeks prior, um, and that was cool. But I won't see Sticks without Dennis DeYoung as the lead singer of that group. I just think it's, I don't know, I, that's Aaron's bugaboo. Oh. Case by case basis, if I'm honest, uh, like it changes. Because for example. Uh, early in the year, uh, when Metallica announced that they were going on tour, now Metallica's notoriously on their third bass player because yeah. obviously they had an accent back in the 80s and the original bass player died in that accent. So that's not a problem. We understand that. Uh, their opening act was Pantera, which, for those that don't know, their lead guitarist and their drummer were brothers, both passed away and, and within the last 20 years. That I kind of have a problem with because those two guys were instrumental to the sound of that band. And yeah, they're getting another good guitarist, another good drummer, but it's not the same. It's it's like, it's ship of Theseus kind well, of I thing. Mean, it's like, how many pieces can you start pulling apart before it's no longer the thing, even though it's called that? You know, I, it's one of the I saw I saw Rush um, uh, a few years back. Um, of course, it was Neil Peart. And, you know, now Neil Peart is, you know, passed away, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and they're talking about now, you know, maybe would they get a, a drummer to, you know, fill in? And it's like, no, I'm, I don't think I'd go to see. I, I mean, it's not even it. Thirty three percent of of the show is the drumming, you know. And actually, you could even make an argument that it's more so. And it's like, I don't know. I don't want to go see somebody. I, I'd want to see Neil. So I don't know. Uh, this is a total digression. I don't, Dave, what do you think? Are you a band purist? Um, would you go see Journey without Steve Perry? It, uh, I think the cost is the determining factor for me in these discussions. Like if I were at a festival and they were playing, I'd, I'd wander over, right? Um, if, you know, the price was low enough, maybe. But yeah, I'm not going to pay top dollar for a band where a critical piece is just gone. Um, yeah, yeah. She, my wife just uh, mentioned R.E.M. without Michael Stipe. Yeah, like, I saw did R.E.M. You, did you do that? You know, it was it was actually kind of, I had kind of a little bit of problem. I saw R.E.M. at Red Rocks, um, I mean, without Bill Berry. 
you know, it's like, Ooh, you know, that yeah. was, you know, that was hard enough. Drummer was good. Um, but it was different. Um, but yeah, if you lose you know, like Michael Stipe's voice and, and that's the thing with the, with journey too, is like that singer, all he's been doing, he's made it like made a lot of money just because he sounds like Steve Perry. And it's like grand. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I always think there's a fine balance to be struck there. Now, look, I understand if you're a musician, member of a band, a member passes away for any number of reasons or leaves for any number of reasons, you know, you still got to put foot on the table. You still got to go out on tour. The idea of, okay, try to catch this lightning in the bottle once again, it's kind of difficult That's to tell it. an artist. But at the same time, it's like, don't tell me it's the same thing. You know, okay. you know which way we went, prefer something like Dead and Company, because they're telling you, yes, it's the remaining members of the Grateful Dead, but we're not the Grateful Dead anymore. We can't and that's be. the thing, is that, do, you know, do something new. And that's what we talked about with Star Wars, you know, a couple episodes ago. It's like, don't reboot A New Hope. Do something new. Have new characters. If you want, like, a classic character in there, you know, that's still alive, do whatever, fine, do that. But let's say, for example, let's say in the new Ray movie, you know, for for me, if John Boyega can't be in it, then don't have Finn as a character. Where's Finn? He's off doing something. Cool. Here's you know somebody else. Don't. You know, and I know that they did that with uh, Rhodey in the Iron Man movies, like after the after the first one, and then after a while, it's kind of to your Metallica point. You know that their bass player has been with them forever now. You know, um, so it's like kind of has made his identity and they've created it's not like they've just been playing their stuff from the early 80s. They've continued to create stuff. So, like I said, in, in this recasting, you know, um, it's like with the Balin Skull thing, you know, it's like, uh, do you re you could recast it, but maybe just tell the story from a different angle with the characters you have. I don't know. You talked about playing the hits, though. This is one of the things you, we, we discuss a lot, which is, like, you need to play some of the hits. And so, like, if you're talking about a band, you know, like Queen, um, for example, they want to continue on. Went and saw them when they were here, and it was a fantastic show. It wasn't right. Freddie Mercury, you know, but Adam Lambert did a great job, but I didn't feel like I was seeing Queen. You know, I saw Brian May and, you know, Roger Taylor. Deke and Roger Taylor, yeah. But anyway, go ahead. The branding of it, I guess, matters in that sense, right? Because they market themselves, I think, as Queen fronted by Adam Lambert, right? Like yeah. they, they, they really try to be truthful in the advertising. Um, you know, it's just, you know, Star Wars, you're going to tell the same story. Again, like I, I'm not as like adamantly opposed to that as I used to be, the reboot idea, but just because it's... it's kind of what they're already doing we're rebooting we're, we're telling the same story um over and over you know i i have a you know at the end of the uh, trilogy the next trilogy uh, i i think that the dark side user might be redeemed i don't know it might happen again yeah right i'm just putting that out there dave's dave's hot take of the week <laughs> um all right well anyway that was a 
huge digression right there. I don't know how we got into that, but oh well, there we are. Um, and go Pelicans tonight um, in the uh, yes. semifinals. Is that right? In the mm-hmm. in-season in tournament. So um, that starts in about, we're recording this on a Thursday night, obviously. And um, in about 15 minutes, that game will start. And you might hear my wife yelling in the background at the TV. Um, so don't worry, everything's fine. Um, but hey, tonight... We're actually not going to, we have some news that will be Star Wars related, but then after that, we are going to be actually talking about the Marvels. Um, we've all seen the Marvels, um, the latest MCU movie. Um, we'll just, I don't think the three of us have really talked about it in depth. We kind of touched on a few things, so this will be just winging it, talking about how we felt about the movie. Um, so, but first, Trivia. Don't do that too much. We'll get uh, get in trouble. Um, by the way, did you guys hear about um, the that was? You know, I started singing Johnny Carson's theme. There is a reason why if you watch like um, basketball, especially basketball games, like college basketball games, they do not um, show the band all that often, especially on ESPN, because the USC band one year played Johnny Carson's theme. Um, and one of Johnny Carson's people was watching the game and then called ESPN and said, do you have the rights for that? And, uh, that's when they was like, nope, we're not going to show bands anymore because, uh, they don't have the rights for some of the songs. So anyway, um, come to this podcast. You learn interesting things. All right. No, I'm not going with that one. Sorry, I you know I call oh, shenanigans. Cool. You have to go with it, right? Okay, this is to everybody. This is to everybody. What color are the uniforms of the Emperor's Royal Guards? <laughs> everybody knows. <laughs> so anyway. All right. So Pardon Dave, me. Dave to you. What character remarks? I should prefer it if I were a little more completed. What character remarks? I should prefer it if I were a little more completed. That was C-3PO in Phantom Menace. That was C-3PO in Phantom Menace. What do you guys think of that uh, C-3PO being a, kind of a skeleton? Not, not that not that Anakin or made him, but just C-3PO in that state for that movie. That was all right. You know, it's kind of, I think that's why JJ gave him a red arm is because you have to figure out which C-3PO you're looking at. Anyway. Yeah. To to me, honestly, I always wondered if they were going to do more with that idea of Anakin being the creator of 3PO, but never felt like it meant anything. Yeah. They should have just, it should have just been a droid that was in Watto's shop or something. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, Fredo, because of this first one I saw, who's shown carrying on a conversation with C.O. Bibble while seated in a quirky walking chair? Who's shown carrying on a conversation with C.O. Bibble while seated in a quirky walking chair? Quirky walking chair makes me think of somebody like Newt Gunray. It is Newt Gunray. Yep. Yes. He also, well, I guess it wasn't C.O. Bibble that had a conversation with Palpatine. It was Newt Gunray that had a conversation on the little spider mm-hmm. thing. All mm-hmm. right. To me, 
what imperial officer quietly expresses his disdain for the bounty hunters entertained by Lord Vader? What imperial officer quietly expresses his disdain for the bounty hunters entertained by Lord Vader? Two things. First of all, I got this guy's autograph. Second of all, he and the guy who played Admiral Ozzel were sitting behind me at a con t discussing the fall of the Roman Empire, which was totally meta. Um, three, well, first of all, the answer is Admiral Piet. Um, but the, the funny thing is, that's the, the best line, I think, in Empire Strikes Back comes in that conversation when he says, bounty hunters, we don't need their scum. And the Imperial officer he's talking to says, yes, sir. That's just like the perfect line. Just like, <laughs> just, yes, sir. Just blows them off. Anyway, sorry. I love it. All right. Ba -da -ba 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 -da -ba -ba to the news. Rado, what's going on in Star Wars world? Okay, we got a few bit of uh, news and maybe some hopes. But let's start with the news first. So, uh, the 51st Annual Saturn Awards are nominees right now. So, what are uh, the Saturn Awards? Saturn Awards are the uh, preeminent awards for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. They have been running now for 51 years. And so uh, you've had stuff, everything from Dune to Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. They do movies, TV, books. I think actually they may have started as a book. Uh, award and then they branched out to other forms of uh, sci-fi, horror, fantasy genres. So unsurprisingly for such an award, uh, Star Wars TV was heavily involved. So Andor and The Mandalorian were both nominated for Best Science Fiction TV Series. You know, along the likes of Star Trek, uh, Picard and Strange New Worlds, uh, Foundation, Silo and The Peripheral. Um, uh, what's the, uh, the Bad Batch was nominated for Best Animated TV Series, and then the likes of um, uh, Peter, I'm sorry, I was going to say Peter, Peter Pascal was nominated, but for The Last of Us, but uh, uh, what's his name, Diego Luna was nominated for Andor, um, so did Andy Serkis, uh, so there's a whole bunch of awards that they, you know, they award, you know, they assign to the various TV properties, so congratulations to them, it's yeah. Let's talk about this here for a second. Um, so Ahsoka, was it too late for it to be part of yeah. the awards? Okay. Um, yeah. But Obi-Wan Kenobi, that was last year. So that does mm -hmm. a part of it. Um, all right. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, okay. Uh, you know, Andor is really, I think, far and above from a production and a story standpoint. I think it's far and above any of the other series. So, um Mandalorian I'm kind of surprised by because Mandalorian is it's fun but it hasn't it hasn't been earth shattering since the first season I don't think in I mean like I said it's been good but I don't think it's been like I said uh award worthy I don't know am I am I wrong there am I stirring the pot a little bit no, I don't necessarily disagree. I think if you were to say which one's the heavier of the two shows, Andor definitely is, because it's, I mean, we mentioned this in last week's pod. Let me, let me put it this way. It's a heavier, heavier show. Yeah, let me put it this way. Let's say that it wasn't too late for Ahsoka 
Um, and if it was between Ahsoka and Mandalorian, which one would you put up for an award? Hmm, probably Ahsoka. Because even though I did like Mandalorian season three, uh, you know, it felt very much like it was the Mandalorian starring Din Djarin, you know, guest starring Din Djarin. So uh, there was a lot of, there was, it, was, it felt like it was this, the heavier storylines or the, the more interesting story aspects were happening over in Ahsoka. It's interesting that Mando was the one that got all the attention. Now, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, like, so, and just try to sum up quickly, um, Andor deserves all the awards. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Um, give it everything in my in my book. I like certain aspects of Mandalorian. I appreciate, because of its popularity, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, that it's still making some of these lists. Um, and there are things about it that I still really enjoy. And, again, like, this is... A, it wasn't strictly the reason we got together for this podcast, but it coincided with the start of this podcast. So the show is always going to be really special to me. Um, and we have some fun stuff planned for some Mandalorian discussion coming up soon. So like, we're always going to be big fans of this. Um, but yeah, with season three, eh, was, was Boba Fett kind of, eh, yeah. Yeah. So well, I didn't even go down. I didn't even go down well, Bo- book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, if you, if you, if we're, if we're going down the path of saying, like, maybe I have a bad taste in my mouth, or at least not a, like, divine taste in my mouth, maybe that's how I would put it. You're not, you're not like, oh my gosh, I just had the best meal of my life. You're more like, I'm satisfied. Um, I think, like, that, that's, there's some carryover from the, from those, both of those seasons. Um, but yeah, like, uh, Ahsoka for me would be, up there with Andor, just in terms of just storytelling, uh, design, all of the all of the aspects that we talked about. That like it it clearly had a lot of care and money put into it, and um, for all of those reasons, I, I would look at that show as being one that would probably do well. I wonder um, also what are some other sci-fi animated series? I mean. I, you don't you don't need to go well you can if you want to you don't have to go into it but i'm just, yeah. just trying to think i mean bad batch is the only one i know <laughs> yeah I mean, Aaron lives no in i mean you got, yeah hold on a sec i'll give you animated so animated tv series you got stuff like harley quinn uh yeah. on hbo max which i don't know it's more comedy but it's also yeah. my adventure my adventures with superman which i don't know if you guys saw but it was actually a nice new take on the characters superman lois lane they the agent, they do a different thing with the story. It's actually quite cute and well done. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, which has its fan base because it's irreverent. Gremlins, Secrets of Mogwai. Chainsaw Man, which my nephew loves, but I, it is animated, but it's not necessarily for kids. <laughs> with the title is Chainsaw Man. It's an, uh, that one's anime. And then uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which... Um, yeah, it was cute, but I don't know that I would know. I would that's not go back to it. So, yeah, Bad Batch, I mean, did a lot, a lot with the story. And it kind of goes to show that, you know, you still have room in the animated side to tell good stories. And you'd be surprised how little competition you can find in some instances or how, weird, you know, how varied you can go. Because, you know, I wouldn't think to put lower decks with my adventures with Superman next to Harley Quinn, next to Bad Batch, but here they all are. 
Well, again, this is why visions is, is important, I think, because it's this proving ground for these directors and these um, studios that we talked about, an opportunity for them to kind of put their own stamp on Star Wars. And if it appeals to the right person, they might be able to get a slightly larger story greenlit, at which point, to your point, Fredo, now there's not a lot of competition out there for you to, if you produce something truly excellent. Um, and again, some of these stories, you, Bad Batch is good, but it's an extension of Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a spinoff story. and, and It's after MASH. I mean, yeah. it's, well, it's, it's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's being harsh, but it's after yeah, mash. Yeah. You know? yeah, no, there, there are fewer highs. Yeah. I, I think we would all agree than, than there have been in, in rebels or, or, or Clone Wars I look, I either. look forward to this. This is going to be the final season. I look forward to this mm -hmm. because there's going to, yeah. they're going to have to wrap up some things. I mean, as far as Omega and, um, so anyway, I think it, it should be hopefully a pretty good storyline, but anyway, all right. Cool. Well, good, yeah, good on Andor and Bad Batch. Right on. Yeah, and actually, uh, just to kind of jump off of that and to help kind of skip one uh, on the story bit, uh, there was news, not news, but it was reported by some of the cast members of Bad Batch that they're doing the final mixing of the voice acting for Bad Batch Season 3 currently, which is why this next bit of news is a bit interesting because uh, Disney UK, or Disney U, I'm sorry, put out this nice press release listing all the shows coming to their various platforms, networks, etc. I mean, they're talking about everything from uh, FX to the UK stuff. So, but what's interesting in regards to Star Wars is they announced that oh, they only list two Star Wars shows for 2024. And they're not Bad Batch, and they're not Andor Season 2. So the shows they list are Star Wars The Acolyte, and Star Wars Skeleton Crew. Now, we knew Skeleton Crew was supposed to come out last month. Obviously, the strikes between the other writers and the actors delayed that. We knew that the Acolyte was working towards completion of its first season of production. So it makes sense they're coming. But it's also interesting, no Bad Batch Season 3, no Andor Season 2. And yet, we know that they were in the process and were just about done. Very interesting. I mean, could it be that, that, that Disney's going to go like, we don't want to do the, here's everything that's coming out, kids, stuff your faces with candy, and then everybody gets sick like they've done in years past? Are they trying to see, okay, maybe we hold back some of the properties or some of the projects we are working on and just announce some things and then see how people react to things? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I, think, I think it's fine. I think it's fine because again, it's like we all went how many years without a star Wars. And if I can, you know, if I have two star Wars in a year, that's like awesome, you know? So I'm not, I'm not going to be upset with it. Even if it was like one star Wars a year, I would be like, hooray. Um, but, uh, no, I think this works and I, you know, who knows, they may also like read the room a little bit and maybe push out bad batch a little bit early. Um, what is the there was a series that's going to be coming out and they're actually going to be dropping it all at once or no they're going to go they're going to go like daily instead of 
weekly. Am I making, I don't know if this is a star Wars thing, but it's uh, I think it's a Disney plus um, series that they're going to actually start really, they're going to release it um, daily rather than on a weekly studios. What is that's it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is which is interesting because That'll the be only other time, yeah, the only other time I can think of a show doing anything like this was the HBO used to have this um, in session or uh, in treatment. I'm sorry, a TV show about a, a therapist, and he had four different clients, and every day of the week, Monday through Thursday, it would be an episode focused on that client. So you get four episodes of the same show, but it'd be four different stories going on simultaneously. Hmm. which was a bit of a trip, you know, kind of like, so So one week to the next, you would follow that character's storyline, but it would never be the same character from night to night. So it didn't last for long because obviously, you know, it's only somebody so, you know, asking a lot of an audience to do that. Well, it was an interesting concept. And by the way, I'm glad that it is actually um, Skeleton Crew and the Acolyte because that's going to be new Star Wars. And I'm really looking forward to both of those. I think it'll be... It'll be fun. One other aspect to this briefly that I would just say that is like, I, I appreciate that they're not rushing Andor. Yeah. Take as much time as you can with that and, and make it as good as you possibly can. Because after the first season, uh, my expectations are sky high for season two. So just take your time. Oh, don't you listen to this podcast, Dave? I mean, come on. <laughs> Check your expectations at the door. <laughs> it, it's got to be good. I'm sorry. It has to be good. Well, you know, so they there's some things there. I think I saw an article that was one of the things we might see. You know, there's a Rebels episode where they, um, you know, they're transporting Mon Mothma after, you know, she told off, you know, the Emperor. Um, and we might see part of that in live action. I mean... You, you've got Hera, you've got, you know, Chopper, you've got, you've got the people. So that's kind of a, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it, it'll be, I, I'm with you. It'll, uh, take your time. Like I said, world's not going to end tomorrow, hopefully. Um, but anyway, um, cool. Well, speaking about, yeah, speaking about taking your time and uh, not rushing stuff, well, since you just went to Disney World, maybe I'll interest you in going to Disneyland next year. Because uh, Disneyland, uh, they announced their calendar of seasonal events. So stuff like the Lunar New Year and Pixar Fest and Halloween time. And in the middle of that, from April 5th through June 2nd, Disneyland will have Star Wars Season of the Force, which would be a nice uh, arise at Disneyland. They're turning Space Mountain into Hyperspace Mountain. They have special themed food and drinks, merchandising, and uh, I think they're bringing back uh, Star Tours for a specific kind of run. Oh, yeah. New Adventures aboard Star Tours. The adventure continues. Uh, Galaxy says you'll have new stuff happening, all new right. fireworks show. So, so your guns, guns go west. I'm, I'm going to surprise you here. And I think it's like, is Galaxy's Edge not enough for you, Disney? I mean, as, as a Disney, if I just, if I was a, Disney fan looking at through a Disney fan eyes and not just like a star Wars. It's like, you've got your whole land over here. Don't mess with space mountain. And by the way, Disney fans are, are 
ju- uh, that you start messing with some of these rides and they get like uber ticked. And it's not, and and again, it's not like, I mean, they used to do this when they didn't have Galaxy's Edge and, you know, they've had Star Tours forever, you know, so like doing a little holiday overlay and doing Hyperspace Mountain was kind of neat. And then, and, and actually they do that with the Haunted Mansion out there as well. They do, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas uh, overlay. And that took a while for people to kind of, you know, be okay with because they know it's going to go away right after, you know, Christmas is done. Um but this is just one of those things where, and you're talking about special food and drink. Oh, you mean like blue and green milk that you can get across the park at galaxy's edge, a Ronto wrap, you know, it's like, so this is kind of weird. It's just weird to me. It's like, what, you know, is it, do you not have enough star Wars going on Disney? I don't know. This is to be fair. This is the result of the success of both Halloween time at Disney parks, as well as the Hollywood horror nights. Universal, they've recognized that you know, particularly. I mean, it makes more sense for Disneyland than for Disney World because Walt Disney World is a whole series of resorts. You make a trip out. Disneyland still in essence a park, so they live by the those big, annual passes. And the, people and that's the thing. In. The other the other big difference there, and I will say yes, um, mm-hmm. the other big difference between Disneyland and Disney World is that Disneyland is more of a locals park. That's um, what I mean. Yeah. So they're coming again and again and again. And so, it's just like, I don't know. It's like. So you kind of need to do something to excite that fan who's already been to Galaxy's Edge and who's already been to, you know, and this is how they do. They do these seasonal events where, okay, so, we're doing the Lunar New Year and then we're doing Poco and then we're doing, you know, for Day of the Dead. So when we were out we're at doing... Disney, when we were out at Disney World, um, they had um, what they call, it was the first time, you know, of course they have Mickey's uh, Christmas party, you know, like, and they'll shut down Magic Kingdom at like six o'clock. So they have this, at, they have this party, you know, it's a ticketed event and it's like, God, I want to think like $150, $170 to go to this event. And it's like um, some rides are open, not all. Um, and like you have special treats that aren't free. You have to, you get, you get to buy special treats, you know, and things like that. And, and so they had one at Hollywood studios, um, that Britt and I kind of thought we'd never been to one of these things. We're like, well, maybe we should go. And then I was watching kind of a reaction to, um, it was called Jollywood nights and it, it just sounded like not fun at all. It sounded like everybody was standing in line to buy food it's like that's what i just did for eight hours in the park why would i want to spend another 170 dollars to go do that again with christmas music i mean it was like so i don't know if to if there was a special after hours event that was all star wars based um i don't know there better be something more than a stormtrooper standing outside of space mountain you know what i mean it's i don't I, I don't know it's it's weird so Dave yeah no it, it's not me it's not for me it's like you said I think it's mostly for the repeat customers um, uh, the people that are looking to do something over the weekend and they have their season pass anyway and they're like oh hey there's a Star Wars thing going on this weekend let's go okay cool um, so fun uh it's just it is kind of just this wacky crazy idea at first glance if you don't know what's going on it's like they're reworking space mountain 
to have a Star Wars theme, and you, it's like, what, what, what? It's By the crazy way, sounding. Because we haven't talked about this on a tangent, I will agree. I'm agreeing with Scott Colesby 100 um, percent that Rise of the Resistance is the best theme park attraction I've ever been on, but Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is the best roller coaster that I've been on. Holy cow, was that so much fun. It was, I mean, just the whole experience. What They they nailed that ride. Um, so, yes, two, two thumbs up. Um, yeah, but anyway. Um, yeah, not, yeah, we'll not belabor the point too much. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, kind of bringing it back to some of the stuff we talked about last week regarding Bob Iger's statements and whatnot. He is a parks guy. He believes that the the engine that drives Disney is the parks. So they're doing a, they're doing a lot of renovations and a lot of upgrades and a lot of new stuff at both coasts. So it's not surprising that he's recognizing, okay, you know, whereas it's families making that once every four or five year uh, you know, you know, trip to Disney World to Florida. The people who keep, you know, Disneyland up and going are the locals who keep by that annual pass and just go once every three months or so. So, you know, it's understandable. It's 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 uh it's gonna sound wacky, but they they also kind of somewhat understand that that's how they got a butt of that bread. So uh but moving on right quick, last bit of news and so this one's interesting and I wanna see where do you think we can make this work? Because Natalie Portman was being interviewed by Andy Cohen and talking about Okay, you know, about remembering meeting Prince Charles back when he was Prince Charles for the release of episode one. He went up and asked her, hey, how come, were you in the originals? And she goes, sir, I'm 18. Like, the, the move that the originals are older than I am. You know, of course, you, know, you have to check, Boyle. But in the middle of all that, they asked, you know, Andy Cohen asked him about coming back to Star Wars. And so, yes, it's like, would you be open to coming back in some capacity? She goes, no, nobody's asked me, you know, but I'm open to it. Now, the question is, famously, she, spoiler alert, kids, dies at the end of episode three. How the heck are you bringing her back? Or does she? Dun, 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 dun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dallas negated an entire season by saying it was just a dream. I think you could retcon the crap out of a lot of things by saying, yeah, we we faked Padme's death and she's been on Alderaan. And then, you know, yeah. Then she, like I said earlier, a couple episodes ago, then she gets blowed up on the, on Alderaan. So you she can, had all those body doubles. I mean, if we're, if we're keeping it 100 here, you know, they like made they her look pregnant when she was in, you know, when she was in the casket, I mean, that would explain why Leia remembers her mother in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's why I said you can retcon the crap out of a lot of things. You know, other things they could do is if, um, you know, they de-aged. Well, they, they de-aged, you know, Hayden enough. I mean, and it's not like, you know, Natalie Portman looks old by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, um, so you could do some flashback scenes, I, I, you know, in a, in something. Um but I don't know. Yeah, I, like I said, you want to you want to rock the boat. We we fake Padme's death, and I might be on board with that. I might be on because that is just kind of a standard soap opera, you know, 
Dallas dynasty type of a deal. Um, and it would help a lot with the, she died of a broken heart bull crap. Um, I'm censoring myself, Dave, you're lucky, but you know, that's so, <laughs> you know, they could, like I said, I think they could fix a lot of things. Yeah. Cause it automatically, you know, that she died of a broken heart becomes a cover story, you know, for now, the interesting thing is a cover story for whom <laughs> is it a cover story so that Yoda and, uh, and Obi-Wan don't think about her anymore. Cause you know, as far as the Empire thinks, she, you know, they don't care, you know, who would, sure who would believe that she died of a broken heart? Who would, who would be so gullible as to believe such a thing? Maybe the Jedi who are not in romantic relationships. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but, but that's right. just what that's just what the droid said. Who knows? Well, of course, then Obi Wan and Yoda goes into hiding. So, who told you know who that the, you know the most powerful senator is dead and how did she die? You know, that's an interesting story to be told that has not been told we just assumed that everybody went around saying oh it was in the papers she died of a broken heart i mean that's just what mm -hmm. the little medical droid said um you could cameo her really easily though yeah. like because we've already seen flashbacks we've seen dream sequences we've seen these sorts of things so it's like you could bring her back especially if there's another season of obi-wan or some sort of darth vader centric show um yeah, like it would well, absolutely Ahsoka, make sense. For she, her. she and Ahsoka yeah. were friends. You yeah, know, and I was could, you that's could use exactly what I was thinking. Worlds, you know, very easily. So yeah, the world between worlds sequences where she saw Anakin, and it was all you know very in real time for her, but obviously flashback stuff. I'm um, saying, be bold. We faked her death. Just right, just right quick, and I'm just you know now I'm thinking about. It. I mean, when you think about. Potentially, maybe one point doing a Darth Vader series or miniseries. Just imagine him being tormented in a weird way by the ghost of, you know, the ghost of Padme. You know, like him, being, you know, guilt tripping himself about the fact that he killed her and see trying to reach him to kind of exonerate him and him getting the message. Now it's getting dumb because the dumbest, one of the dumbest things in Revenge of the Sith was when he turns to. Palpatine and says, "Where's Padme?" It's like, no, <laughs> you're well, in the you're in the helmet now, dude. You know, it's, that just that bothered me. Um, no, but, but what I'm saying is, you wouldn't need to say anything because it's it all internal. It's him being in a stasis chamber, being whatever, and just not you know, yeah. not being able to get over that trauma, not being able to move forward. It's he's stuck in that moment of sadness and failure, and just that's what balls up all his rage and allows him to go out and kill, you know, untold Imperials. So, I mean, there's a name in a number of ways, but it, I find it interesting that she's open to the idea of returning and that, you know, it, it could be, there could be a way. Now, now we have the technology. We can bring her back. DH, so, to get the guy to do DH Luke and he finds grandma, you know. In the force? No, no like, mom. like, no, grandma would be grandma. Well, I guess it would be mom. Yeah, never sorry. She, uh, he finds mom. Luke, Luke finds mom, like on some, some planet. You know, she got off Alderaan and, you know, has been hiding out. Anyway. Um, and the, the first thing she says is just FYI, Leia's your sister, don't kiss her. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's it for the news. That was a bad lip reading, uh, one of the songs where obi-wan's talking to luke and he's like 
yeah, there's something I got to tell you about her. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't get around to it. That's why nobody can ever tell me that it was the story all along. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about the Marvels. Um, just real, just real quick around the horn. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Dave's thumbs up. Thumbs up. This is an audio podcast, Dave. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, my like I said, my wife and I went uh, last weekend and just enjoyed it from the get go. And I'm, I'm gonna. I, I know it's funny because we've talked about. Um, you know, Fredo, you uh, made mention of the, you know, the irreverence, the the fun, uh, and everything. And I know that I've taken it on the chin for not liking Thor Ragnarok and um, Thor: Love and Thunder. And this one was different to me because this did not feel incongruent with Captain Marvel. Miss Marvel or what we know of Monica Rambeau from WandaVision. It, it was it every, you had the same kind it was a good mixture of all three tones. Um, God, the, the flirkin scene was, was awesome. And that was not, that did not bother me because we saw in Captain Marvel, we saw goose, you know, swallowing people up and swallowing things up and everything like that. Um, and it was, and to have memory playing while that was going on. Oh my Lord. That was just, we were laughing so hard. Um, and so I guess the, the humor did not seem forced. It seemed, you know, the only thing that I was kind of weird and I know it was in the comics was the singing planet. Oh, that was the only thing that was like, okay, what did, what did we need to, um, and I get it. It was that world that they were going to steal the water. By the way, the funniest thing I saw was, I think it was Screen Crush, where they said that the villain's plan was basically a rehash of Spaceballs. <laughs> there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the maid was going to vacuum out the atmosphere, and I was just I was laughing because I was like, you know, okay, yeah. Mega maid. Um, but no, like I said, it was, it was really good. Um yeah, I mean, and it's a movie also where the guys take a big back seat. It's a very yeah, female-heavy no, like, movie, and but they're they're all very very good. So, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. The the way that um, the movie, I imagine we're gonna touch on some of the box office and the trolls and some of that discussion here, but. Uh, just evaluating the movie on its own merits. I thought it was really smart the way that they nerfed Carol um, because it forced, um, it forced her to have actual stakes. She's not going to just overpower everybody. So now, now she's weakened and it was a fun way to do it, which forced her to develop as a person and forced this character growth for her character. Um, and it also gave us a chance to... It's a fun sight game. Well, that's it, it lends itself well to the action that we would see, where they're swapping places constantly, and 
how is that going to figure into the choreography, which I think like that was really a strong element of the film as well. That's really so, interesting that you said that real quick, because that yeah. I, I remember asking when I first saw Endgame, it's like, where the heck was Captain Marvel through this whole thing? And Scott Colesby said, said if she was there at the beginning, it, it wouldn't have been a fight. You know, so um, you're right. It's like you had to, you had to like beat Superman too. You had to put her in the chamber to, you know, make things interesting. Go ahead. And this Sorry. is a fun, interesting way to do that and achieve something else in the process, which is like I said, like show her the value of teamwork, which was again, part of what the story was about, that she wasn't necessarily a great leader yet. Even after all the things that she had achieved and done, she wasn't used to being part of a team. Um, and I think like part of the point of the movie was, was that like her learning that. And so of course, this dynamic of them switching allowed her to do that. And again, like a lot of comedy that will spring forth from that. And also, like I said, the choreography that would come out of that as well uh, in terms of all the different fight sequences. Um, I just thought that was such a smart concept. And I don't know who came up with that originally, but it, it was really, really clever. And when I first saw the trailers and I saw that, that that was the direction they were going to go, I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. And sure enough, I went to the theater and it was fun. Um, so, yeah, it gets high marks for me. It's, I think it's, I think it was a really clever film. Yeah, I'll, I'll just so from the start, I really enjoyed just the movie as a whole. Just, it was really well told. Uh, you know, they gave the movie great stakes to each one of its characters about who they were, where they were, what they had to do, what confronting the villain caused them to do, you know. So it wasn't just like, okay, we're just going to have a fun adventure and then everybody's going to go home. Like, it, there were stakes to it. And uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, the, the vibe of it was, even though, I mean, in some ways it could be dark and serious, it was also fun. You know, that this was... Not, you know, in a way, even more, not quite the level of Thor Ragnarok. You know, I didn't get to that level where we're just quipping and being silly, but it leaned into the personalities of the characters. I think this is where something like where Miss Marvel being there helped because she just has a way of, of just lifting everything. You know, you could tell that there was a lot of story or history between Monica and, uh, and Carol. And, uh, Kamala had just a good way of just bridging that gap and allowing them to kind of let their hairs down and be silly and be fun. Uh, well, at the same time, the movie was a lot of good fun sequences. I mean, like good action. Just overall, just enjoyed it top to bottom. Um, what do we think of the uh, the villain, Darben? Um, I mean, it was really interesting that it was a... I mean, motivation was... Um, a trying to, you know, restore her planet and B get revenge on um, Carol at the same time, and th I thought that was really interesting. That uh, you know, just because you quote unquote liberate a society does not necessarily mean that you just made things better for them. Um, you know, uh, 
we could get we could get really political here in a second but i mean the argument could be made just because we liberated iraq doesn't mean that we made things better at the time you know i mean that's kind of been the way that's kind of been our thing you know go and we liberated you well thanks a lot now you know it's like be free <laughs> it's like it's like you know think things are not better now i mean yes they're it, yeah he's gone but yeah so um that's i mean that's an interesting thing for us to deal with especially as americans yeah, very much so. Uh, the concept is uh, a strong one, a good one to try to wrestle with a little bit. I don't know if, if within the, um, the 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 main villain, um, there's not a lot there, you know, below the surface. If you, if you dig down deep, you're not going to find a lot there. But like, I do think the seething anger at you having basically decimated my home is something that a lot of people can relate to um especially in light of current events yeah and, i was just gonna uh, say that I as mean, well yeah yeah uh you know so like there's there's really a lot there that you can um kind of sink your teeth into even if it's not like really overtly shown so much and they, I, I understand they didn't want to belabor it with like showing us like people in the streets like starving and like they they cut to these crowd reaction shots uh, at times, but like they really didn't like lean into the suffering that the people that it had endured, and they really just sort of told us about it, and they they showed it to us through basically this character's anger more than anything else. Um, so again, like as far as where the, like where that utilizing that in, in, ter in for the story, I thought was, um, I thought it was smart because it's again like you think, who's gonna freaking hate Carol Danvers other than incels, and um, well, and it was it was well done because it you know then it led to the you know Monica is mad that. Auntie Carol didn't come back when she said she was going to, but Auntie Carol was embarrassed because she was yeah. less of, you know, than she realized that she, you know, she was, she was embarrassed. Um, so that was the, you know, the, the friction between the two of them that had to be, you know, had to come to pass. Um, I like that piece of it too. I think that's one it was interesting because on her, on her surface, Dark Ben felt more like a throwback to Phase 1 MCU villains where they're the villain, but they're not really the crux of the issue that Carol has to solve, at least not, you know, not in any meaningful stake beyond facing her off, which is why it's so interesting the way that it ends up getting resolved. Uh, but at the same time, I do love that the idea ultimately is that Carol has to come to grips with Hey, I liberated you guys with the best intentions. I was setting you free from this evil AI that just dominated your society. And the Kree just decided to turn around and go, well, thank you. Now I hate that guy and I'm going to go kill him. And I hate that guy and I'm going to go kill them. And they just wreck one another. Uh, and then her having to carry the guilt over, I thought I was doing a good thing, but instead I just really... Well, there's, worse. there's there's a whole South Park episode about this. It's mm -hmm. you know Osama bin Laden has farty pants. Um, that, mm -hmm. They the whole thing was that the kids are sending uh, care packages to kids in Afghanistan, and then they end up like 
flying to Af- they end up getting to Afghanistan and they're all like, no, we hate you. It's like, but we mm-hmm. liberated you. It's like, yeah, things are worse now. You know, it, it's so it's that same. You know, so it's just it, like I said, it's an interesting thing. Um, the mm-hmm. other thing I like is that you saw a big progression in um, Kamala mm-hmm. from the beginning of the movie to the end. She went from fangirl to realizing that her heroes are human and then to an even more serious, you know, um, grip on her role as Miss Marvel. I mean, with that, you know, that it's not, it wasn't a post credit scene, by the way, thank you for telling me I didn't have to sit through the whole credits. I appreciate that. Um, but the, the epilogue where she, you know, um, talks to Kate Bishop, you know, that's not, that's not a fangirl. That's somebody stepping up and being a leader. So there was, there was big development with her. I mean, she was geeking out over seeing Nick Fury. She was geeking out over seeing, you know, um, Carol Danvers. But then it was, it, it changed throughout the whole movie. And I thought it was, and it wasn't forced. It was very natural. So it's a very well-made movie. Just, just think about where we left uh, Kamala Khan at the end of Miss Marvel, at the end of that show, kind of owning that identity as herself and how this movie allows her to progress to now being somebody who's recognizing that there's a place for her within this larger universe of superheroes and people with special talents that they need her, you know, that she feels like, no, I got to go out there and make sure that they come together and what's eventually going to become the Young Avengers. Now did... Uh, and started, hmm? I'm sorry, Did so did Nick Fury give her the data pad or did she steal it? Do we know that? I don't think we know that. And But here's the thing. What you know of Nick Fury is that he's not opposed to recruiting really young agents, but also, you know, after everything he's gone through, which is... Uh, and maybe this, uh, this is an interesting question to consider. Do you think that watching this movie now changes how you saw Nick in Secret Invasion? Yeah, if you know, we're talking about you talk about the incongruous uh, factor with uh, uh, Thor, like that for me is the only one yeah, here. Is Nick. Here. Um, like you're what are what even were we doing with uh, Secret Invasion versus what we're doing here? You know, it doesn't doesn't fit very well. Um, when did they, Kamala's, when did they, so, when did they yeah. happen? Like did, did yeah, secret, I mean, who knows? Did, who, right? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I mean? Did, yeah. the, did yeah. secret invasion happen and then Marvels or? I think Marvels take place after. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's interesting because the, I mean, the Nick Fury of secret invasion was very droll and very Beaten serious down. and almost. Yeah, beat down. Whereas the one here is shouting Black Girl Magic to Monica Rambeau to kind of pipe her up and to go in to save Kamala. You're like, these are two different. Like, if you had told me that the Nick in Secret Invasion was a scroll and this is the real Nick or the other way around, I would believe you. I mean, like, that is a possibility. Everybody's a scroll. Again, I- yeah. I just want to back you up, though, on uh, Kamala Khan's arc and the actress who plays her, and, and she's wonderful, lovely, uh, perfect. Um, just like the most perfect bit of casting they could have done. 
Um, she's spot on. And uh, I, I think like the other strengths, like, yeah, the cat sequence. I mean, geez. <laughs> like we lost our minds laughing at that. Again, comedy's subjective, right? Every Not everybody's going to find the same things funny, but like that just like, oh my God. And our daughter like got it. Like even though like she's never like been to Cats, she associates that song with the musical and um, she got the joke and was explaining it to the people around her. Um, so like it was you know, chef's kiss, that that whole sequence. And then um, I like the action-y bits towards the beginning. Love the announcements um, of let the flurkin eat you. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Quit running. Oh, yeah. let the it was all the people's reactions, too. Just like all these people who were just like utterly terrified. Like, you know, all, there was a lot of acting going on there. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, all these people uh, acting like they were frightened of a little kitty. Um, so that was great. Uh, most of the actiony bits were really good. Uh, I'm with you that the singing planet, regardless of the fact that it's in canon, is a little weird. Um, and I can see why some people might balk at that or not enjoy that. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, the I didn't like some of the way the movie wrapped um with like some of the logic of it and again you go into the like this like really really dumb place when you start breaking down the lot the movie logic right but um some of the movie logic towards the end of the movie for me felt a little weird like how is um how is Kamala wielding both bangles without it not sending her into an alternate dimension? Or does she only have the one, but then isn't that dangerous for her? I know that she's technically, I think they established in the show that she's a mutant and she can handle it in theory, but still like that wasn't really very clear in the moment. So I raised um, my hand because I want to talk about yeah. what wasn't very clear. It was not yeah. extremely clear why their powers were entangled. Right. I mean, it was just because it, it was kind of like, well, because we all have something to do with light. And it's like, okay. And we just move on and we just kind of accept it. And then it was not, it was even less clear why their, their why powers resolved. were not in, all of a sudden they were just like, we're not entangled anymore. And it's like, okay so i raised my hand because if you guys can explain that to me that was something i that missed and brit and i were talking about i was like i don't know so. and the, the again the way the Bengals interacted with kamala and and didn't like affect her in the same way that it did the villain the, the fact that the villain can survive getting stabbed through the chest um the the way that the jump points broke specifically seemed sort of arbitrary like oh now it it's there's another gal we're breaking down all of reality but like shouldn't it just be a point between two different points in our reality you know like there's just so much going on with this that you're like 
you're sitting there and you're you're just like I'm just gonna I'm along for the ride, yay! But like when but you, it, but it, you oh, I will it, say in what if in what if they kind of lay down that it's almost like a pane of glass between realities. Um, so mm-hmm. that part didn't bother me as much because I uh, that's that's what I thought of when I saw that break. It was kind of like when the Watcher um, was fighting Ultron and they were breaking, you know, basically panes of glass. Um, but yeah, you're right. There was, I mean, like there were a lot of things that just, they just told us to accept and we did. So it was, I mean, I found that, I mean, it was interesting that, uh, I mean, for one, for the, the linking of the powers, I, I thought it was related to when Monica touched the disturbance when Darben used the, um, whatchamacallit, <laughs> no, I can't think of it, and he used the bangle to start ripping hyperspace so because their powers are light based one way or another they got entangled now how they got untangled that was movie magic at that moment but then what is Uh, what is that to have to do with how did kamala become a part of that well because she's got the other bangle that's why so she had one she had she had the other half of the shorts Sorry, so, this is this is all seeming like the uh, you know from Animal House. Your Delta mm-hmm. pledge name is Pinto. Why Pinto? And, Why and, not? <laughs> and this and this goes back to kind of the point I made last week about comic book logic. At some point, you have to accept that there's going to be wacky stuff. And that that's what I did. Makes that's it kind of like did. the singing it was, planet. It was it's like, like they they told me their powers were entangled. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and I went on. So, but after, like I said, after the movie, then you're just like, how? You know, it's like if you start, mm-hmm. like you said, Dave, you start thinking about it, then you start. I mean, is that how we ruin movies for ourselves? <laughs> yes, I mean, it is. It, I mean, it is. It's like when you start like analyzing the junk out of it, like on this podcast. But it's just like, but I found myself in the movie. Well, it's like watching Star Wars for the first time. It's like we're jumping to hyperspace. Okay. That gets you someplace faster. Got it. I don't need, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson coming on and telling me that that's impossible. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it, you know, it's just like, you know, it, I, or, but that's an, in, that's a, that's a really interesting example because that's a simple concept to wrap your mind around. We're going to go really, really fast. Okay. Got it. Right. The, the whole powers being intertwined thing. Okay, all right. Regardless of how that happened, got it, right? Um, but like to your point, well, now they're not entwined anymore. Well, ha- wait a minute. Why are they not? I thought we already established that they were. Right. That's that's and when then, I that's when I started getting was, a little goofy. And like from from a storytelling perspective, and not from a nerdy geek push the glasses up your nose perspective, but rather a like you know, big picture view of it. I felt like that should have been maybe earned or it should have been like a struggle for them to get that, to get to that point. Like, Oh gosh. Oh good. Finally, we're not doing that thing anymore. We had to struggle to get to the point where we achieved that objective. And then it just sort of just went away at one point. Um, And again, like yeah, you know, you give things a lot of leeway, and again, in real time, it's fine. But then, like, if we're going to sit here, we're going to say, um, let's evaluate this against the best 
you know, superhero movies we've ever seen. Um, for me, like that's, that's a legitimate what uh, reason to say, well, okay, it's a little muddled at the end there. It's just, so now let's, wait, can, oh, go ahead. Go ahead gonna, yeah. I was just going to say it's similar in nature to all, you know, some of the logic towards the end of a new hope, you know, you know, how come Luke can hear Ben or how come, you know, like at that point in the story, you've either committed to the ride and are going with it or you're not. And I sometimes, sometimes writers and directors make the conscious decision to go, well, this does not going to make sense on a story beat level, you know, on a story level. Like if you start analyzing falls apart, but at the same time, like how come nobody at the Death Star saw the Millennium Falcon approaching Vader from behind? Like none of the turbo lasers, none of the guys shooting. So hey, here comes this big old ship coming towards them. We just accept that in the moment, out of nowhere, here comes Han Solo. So on a, day. On but a, that's the point is the, the emotion carries the moment. So first of all, it we're, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it, yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I was going to say something about midichlorians, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> the yeah. other thing, too, is like just briefly, like you don't want to be the cinema sin guy no. people who no. are just like sitting there, like let's break everything apart that, and tell it, you why this movie sucks. I love those videos. Know? It's funny. They're funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But still, like it's a miserable thing because like then now, like when you go back and you watch a movie, then now you're thinking about all the stuff that they pointed out instead of just enjoying the thing. On a, on a tangent, um, I think it was a screen crush video. They're talking about the world between worlds and they're saying they th they have a theory that Obi-Wan figured out how to get in the world between worlds somewhere between when he's, you know, at the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi and a new hope. And that actually has a, when, when Luke is flying his X-wing and Obi-Wan says, use the force that Obi-Wan has actually found that portal in the world between worlds and is speaking to Luke through that portal, um, you know, or the run Luke run type of a thing, um, or the force ghost on Hoth. I think that is really interesting. They're saying that maybe this is explaining force ghosts. We don't have to talk about that right now. I'll let that simmer in your brains for a while. But I think it's a really interesting theory that uh, the Force ghosts that we have seen are Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Anakin. And we know Anakin is in the world between worlds because of Ahsoka. So, anyway, I just let that... Interesting idea. But... I want to I want to talk about the uh, post credit scene because Fredo, you oh. said your jaw dropped. I didn't see. I, I all I know I had to go watch the the ending explain thing. We knew it was X Men stuff. Um, we never. I haven't seen any of the X Men movies. Um, so, what what is being set up here? Monica wakes up in a hospital room, and it's uh, she... it's, it's mirrored to when she was in the hospital room with her mother. Because, um, well, it's not Monica Rambo. Uh, it's not Maria Rambo that's there. It's uh, uh, binary. binary. Yeah. Um, but anyway, explain what's going on in this post-credit scene. So Monica goes to seal the bridge or the rift between the realities. And of course, you can only seal it from the other side because you can't do it from our side because 
Otherwise, there's no sacrifice, no heroic sacrifice. So she ends up stranded on another reality. When she wakes up in this, what she thinks at first, a hospital room next to her mom, and then she sees her mom's got kind of her uniform and doesn't recognize her, which of course she wouldn't because her mom never had her there. And then the doctor walks in, it's none other than Hank, Dr. Hank McCoy, aka Beast. So played by Kelsey Grammer. Uh, and they're in the bowels of the X-Mansion. So we're led to believe that this is the movie or the universe, the parallel universe of the X-Men that we saw in the 20th Century Fox uh, movies, which is where that character was in, which is the strongest so far indication that, yes, the X-Men are coming to the MCU. I mean, we know they are, but this is like the next big step. Now, I did not notice this um, until watching the 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 breakdown from like I said whatever channel it was um but binary is wearing both bangles mm-hmm. so yeah. i mean binary. before before i saw that mm-hmm. the first thing i said to brit was well it's going to be i mean it, it's going to be easy quote unquote easy to get monica back to her reality all you need is america chavez she can bounce between multiverses um so but but then when you have binary with both bangles then there's going to be a way to get her back probably as well so but the, but the interesting question there becomes less one of the mechanisms to get monica back and more whether she would want to because you you know the, part of her journey has been coming to grips with the fact that her mom was struggling with cancer and she was not there when her mom finally passed away she's carrying a lot of the survivor's guilt and this opportunity now presents herself to live a life with her mom as far as she thinks about it, but that's not her mom because the Maria Rambeau who's looking at her does not recognize her whatsoever and it pulls back from her. So does she want to stay there for the emotional connection she could potentially have? Or does she recognize that, no, this is a different human being who has nothing in common maybe with the person that and we've- raised her and loved her? We've seen a picture of Deadpool and Wolverine. Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, so are we going to, you think, see Monica Rambeau? Probably not. Just, just because, I mean, and, uh, this is the, and Dave will back me up on this. Deadpool's a wacky character by nature. So I don't know how much you're going to try to shoehorn out. We know Deadpool 3 is the only MCU movie coming out next year. That's like everything else. It's just like they're backing off. They're redraw. They're redrawing things. They're looking at things from a holistic level. Understandably so. But if you're gonna start putting in MCU stuff into Deadpool three, it'd be probably just so Deadpool can make fun of the whole idea. Yeah, and will it serve the humor of the story? Like that's literally the only consideration for whether you think something's gonna show up in Deadpool or not. Is like, will it? Will will there be a good joke? that they can get out of it and preferably a running joke of some kind um so yeah i wouldn't put a lot of stock in that but i would say that um we're dabbling more with the x-men and i think like what that tells me is that it was interesting last week we were talking about the end of loki and how i i am under the impression that they they've got a lot of freedom now to part ways with kang and jonathan majors now if they want um, whereas the end here, this post-credit scene, 
this tells you that we're going to get secret wars. That's what I mean. That like that was my read one hundred percent. Like we've got fully established different universes now, and um, I've been talking about bringing the X Men in, and the X Men would figure heavily in that conflict. Um, and so I think like I think that like to me that's the way that I read that. Like I don't know that we're going to get more stories set with the X-Men prior to Secret Wars. But I do think Secret Wars is for sure happening and it's going to feature these characters that we saw as part of 20, 20th Century Fox. And I think like this is confirmation of that. Like that's like we're going to get that. We I don't know if we're gonna get uh Patrick Stewart uh or not, but you know, but we had him already. Yeah, I mean like, yeah, I mean but that's the thing, like we got a version of him. Was that the official version? You know, I don't know. Um I don't think that was. I think that was a different, still different universe, but everything is on the table for that crossover movie at this point. Like they don't have to have established the final, the um, fantastic four. They don't have to establish the X-Men. They don't have to establish Jack squat when it comes to, we're going to cross over with all of these other characters from this other movie studio that, Oh, by the way, we have the rights to all of those characters and, people now and we're going to just bring them in and this is how we're going to make it make sense um i think that that would that's what that scene meant to me it's like that's happening but i also just like also had a really fun moment with it too because it's like freaking kelsey grammar that voice you know beast is it's just it's so much fun I was gonna say he was one of the best things about X Men Three. One of the few things about X Men Three that I liked. So, <laughs> so um, let's let's talk. You, you mentioned uh, the box office and stuff like that, and you know the incels and everything. Um, the one of the things that drove me bonkers. I saw an article that talked about how the Marvels was the biggest MCU flop. And it's like, that was after their first weekend. And it's like, we don't know what the box office is yet. So there was, you know, I mean, from the get-go when they announced this, I mean, people were, um, you know, people were front-loading the story and setting the narrative. So, uh, and 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 I'm sorry, it, it is, it's tough to say that it's the only reason, it's because a guy is not featured. It's a bunch of women and women of color and created by a woman. And there are, you know, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to argue against that argument. It was just, uh, and I don't know what you, I I don't know what you do about that. Um, You know, because it's like I said, from the minute it was announced, it was like said, automatically front loaded as a flop. And this is where one of the difficulties happened has happened for this movie, where, you know, you think about the last female-led MCU movie, which was Black Widow. But when does that come out? At the start of the, uh, 
COVID-19 pandemic after getting pushed back and pushed back. And you think, okay, great, we're past the pandemic in some elements. Uh, but, okay, we're going to restart the MCU. Probably, you know, we're going to get these movies out. And here comes the writers and actors strikes. So all of a sudden, the stars are not promoting it. The director's not out there. You're not getting the Hollywood uh, reporter or e-online TikToks or all the stuff that gets the movie in the conscience of the people. It's, let's be fair. You need that kind of marketing push to get a movie like this into everybody's front door. Yeah, you can put commercials in front of a football game, but it's that's only going to get some segments of the audience in. But you know what? I think that's been kind of the hard part for this, for uh, not just this movie, but the industry in general. They've had three years where audiences have not been able to go to theaters like they used to. And then on top of that, they had a nice jumping off point in Endgame, where if you don't want to be done, you can be done. You don't have to but, listen to it. But here's the thing is that, you know, it, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we need to become more of a squeaky wheel. It was kind of like, you know, Britt was talking to a, a coworker and she said, went and saw the Marvel. You know, he's, he's a big, um, you know, nerdy sci-fi superhero fan, stuff like that. And she said, went to see the Marvels. Said, oh, you did. And he said, did you like it? And he said, she said, oh God, we loved it. And he's, he was, he was scared to go see it because all the things he has seen is that it's bad, you know? And there were people that were trying to say, ignore the narrative. It's a good movie. And it is, it's, it's just frustrating because like I said, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so the incels, the idiots, everything, they go out and make noise on Twitter and it becomes made into art, articles that, you know, in suspect journalism sites, you know, that people see as, Oh, it's being reported that it's a bad movie. And it's, you know, so I think it's, I think it's important when you go and see a movie that you enjoy. And if you're on social media, say you enjoy it and why you enjoy it. Make as much noise as somebody else. And if you didn't like it, say that, say that too, I guess, you know, um, but for but here's hopefully the thing. legitimate just, reasons, not just because I didn't like it doesn't mean <laughs> that somebody else is not going to like it or shouldn't go and try to like it. You know, it's like, plenty of things I don't like, but I'm not going, if you want, if, if Fredo likes it, good on you. Cool. Dave, if you like it, grand, you know, no sweat off my butt. I don't, you know, it's not like my day is ruined because you guys like a movie and I don't, you know, it's just like, I don't know why it, it, it seems the other way. I don't know. Sorry. Well, the, so like the problem with it is the narrative is what you're talking about and it's self-fulfilling after a certain point because it's just like her her the woke movie is broke um and it's it just doesn't consider all of the factors here um and i just don't think that's fair to the movie the people that worked on it um and the people who have enjoyed it um it's not fair to them either to just say oh well you know uh, this this you know dumb movie full of feminists is uh is trash because because of uh it's a dumb movie full of feminists and it's like none of a none of that is true um but like b um there's so much going on here with the marketing they weren't able to market the freaking movie forever and ever and ever um 
the reviews. It's like people are a little tired of seeing the same thing over and over and over again. I think at least the, at the critical level that, that, you know, these people who are paid to do this. And let me also say this when it comes to the reviews side of thing, um, if the reviews weren't stellar, people who write reviews are often reporting on the film industry as well. And it was an, it was not a secret that there were expensive reshoots on this movie. Lots of expensive reshoots in this movie. And so like people might have come into it a little bit predisposed to to think like, oh, this thing could be a tire fire or this thing could have some issues and problems. And let me see if I can try to pick out which parts of it came during reshoots and which parts didn't. I think everybody did that with anytime you see a movie that goes through that, I think that's a kind of a natural tendency to do that. And with certain movies, they're immune to it because they just turn out really, really well and with no warts whatsoever, like Rogue One. Um, this I movie had, yeah, and this movie, I don't think it was perfect. I think there were probably a, a couple of issues, but I just think like you let those things fester and bother you more, maybe if you're aware that there were problems during production. But I still think that it's, it's more about people getting mad because other people like it. You know, it's like, it, it's, and again, it's the, I don't know, it, it, it's kind of like you know, every year at football season, you know, somewhere in the football season, you, you see the, the meme of Julie Andrews, you know, from Sound of Music said, this is me not caring about football. And it's just like, why, why do you have to, you know, why do you have to get on and, you know, I don't, try to knock people down for things that they like? And that's what where this is going at. And I never let Siskel and Ebert dictate what movie I'm going to go see. You know, it's if I like it, I like it. You know. Good point. I think what what I found most hilarious about it is that a lot of the accusations, put it that way, that a lot of the people who are predisposed to not like this movie had we're nowhere to be found in this movie. This is not a preaching movie. This is not a women empowerment movie. This is not a men are bad and evil movie. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm trying to think that outside of this, Nick Fury, and then there's Kamala's dad and brother. And that's it in terms of, the, oh, and uh, uh, what's I'm going to call it? A couple um, of saber uh, uh, people. And, and Carol's husband, yeah. who's uh, bilingual. Uh, but it's not, it's not a movie that's preachy. It's not a movie that's trying to get a message across. It's a movie that's actually out to entertain you, which is hilariously what a lot of the incels suggest, or as Dave says, suggest that that's all they want their movies to do. It's a movie that's set out to be entertaining and fun and exciting and lighthearted, and that, that's supposed to make you feel good at, at the end of it. And it does that. And what I find hilarious is the people who are predisposed to hate it will never know that because they'll never admit to seeing it or will never see it because in their minds, oh, this is a woke movie coming to preach us about the evils of men and how women are greater. You're like, get out of your own head, take the stick out of your own wherever, see it for what it is. If you find that all the stuff, all your criticisms or predispositions were correct, 
hey, congrats, you can say I was right. But if you're wrong, then acknowledge that you're wrong and maybe you don't know what the heck you're talking about. But again, that got, you know, we're predisposed to believe what we want to believe and people who don't are, you know, who didn't like Captain Marvel because it's a woman leading an MCU movie, we're never going to like the Marvels. All right. Any more to say about the movie before we sign? I'll be I'll be anxious to see where Dave ranks it in his superhero movies. Um, I'm sure you're working on that right now. So just real quick, let me let me ask this: Do you find it to be higher or lower than Captain Marvel? A little bit lower. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I I think I think Captain Marvel was more focused. And maybe it is because you had really one protagonist, one antagonist, you know, here you have, you know, multiple protagonists and it, you know, it, it was, so I would, I would put it a smidge. I think I like Captain Marvel more than I like the Marvels, but I think not so. that much. I think for, for the same reasons, but also just to say that it's a more important film. Uh, I think that the messaging you were just talking about how this movie tries to avoid some of those messages. Um, and I think it's worse off for that. I actually do. I mean, maybe they were trying to cast a wider net. Um, but the original uh, Captain Marvel was uh, uh, a remarkable movie um, when it came to the idea of, of feminism and, and, standing up against abuse and mm -hmm. these sorts of things. And it's just um, really and critically important. Um, like Wonder Woman, of, of course, came first. Um, and there are others. There, there are a lot of others. There are a lot of examples. Uh, Tank Girl is, is like the most feminist movie you could ever like watch. Um, go back and watch that. It's silly and campy and ridiculous. But um, like they were doing things with feminism like back in the early 90s, right? You go back and watch this movie, like it's so progressive. It's incredible. Like, what were we doing? Like, how did we not like realize in real time that we were as progressive progressive as we were in a lot of ways back in the nineties? Like, I don't think like people of our generation even really fully get it. Like you see it now, like with all the backsliding we're doing, but um like tank girl. Okay, so yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh tangent there, but like Captain Marvel, really important movie. Um, this movie, less important, but still entertaining, still fun, still enjoyable. It's you know sometimes you want a night out at the movies and you want to go eat your popcorn and have some fun. Yeah. Just I'm, I'm interested just because I wonder if it's part of the issues that Marvel's just having, just in regards to. They they know how to make origin movies excellently. We've seen it from whether it's Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Iron Man, Captain America, you name it. It's that next step that seems to be tripping them up. The, the step where you go, okay, you've been introduced to the character and their world and who they are, not tell us the next story. So as you're right, it, it doesn't, you know, while it is fun, I don't know that the Marvels packs the same wallop in story-wise as Captain Marvel did. But again, doesn't make doesn't make it bad. Just oh no, it's fun. Yeah. Again, yeah. Well, all right. Well, let us know what you if you've seen the movie, what you thought. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Street Corner, whatever. Um, 
your local bar if we're there. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. So, um, and uh, I think next week we are going to be doing our annual, um, a few of my favorite things, kind of an annual recap. Um, so that'll be a fun episode. Um, but until then, we will say who dat. Who dat. And the Pelicans, I think, are down like about six right now. So, oh, nine. It's up to nine. Yeah, we're down nine right now. With five, about five left in the set in the first half. We'll get there. So, go Pels. And uh, God be with the Saints. Anyway, <laughs> we will see you next week. Everybody have a great week. Makanki.